Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with co-host David Figler. Hi, David. Hey, Sonia. And producer Layla Muhammad. Hello, Layla. Hi. So it's not the weekend, but it's also the weekend because, like many of you, we're off tomorrow and Friday for Thanksgiving. So we're getting into our short but not uneventful week of news. It's Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Okay, so we've got a few big Vegas history anniversaries this week. As you know, we had our Howard Hughes episode yesterday. He arrived in Las Vegas on Thanksgiving Day in 1966. Then there was the MGM fire anniversary a few days ago. That fire took place in 1980. 87 people died. Totally transformed fire regulations in Nevada and Las Vegas. And the world. (laughs) And the world. There we go. And the world. Look at us making waves. But we've also got another big anniversary this week. Leila, tell us about that. Yes. So on November 22nd, 1989, the Mirage opened. And it's significant because this year, MGM Resorts is giving up ownership to Hard Rock International of the Mirage. When the Mirage opened in 1989, it was the first mega resort to open on the Strip. And it was considered a huge gamble. People said that the property needed to get $1.1 million daily to break even at the time of its opening. And it did that, and it surpassed expectations. I also wanted to point out that the beloved volcano, which may or may not be staying, there are no plans to get rid of the volcano under new management, according to MGM Resorts. Mm, maybe. I've heard, I've heard well, I, I, I don't have any insider information, but I don't know. Is the, is, is the volcano even that popular anymore? I. I mean, you know, whatever happened to the pirate boats at Treasure Island, right? Yeah, exactly. Yo, ho, ho. Who are you calling a ho? That was actual dialogue from that one. <laughs> the pirate show eventually got less and less kid-friendly. But yeah, I remember that. Of the few kid-friendly things to do on the Strip, the volcano was always one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. so I'm happy to see that it might stay. What about it? I mean, let's get real. Let's get real for a second. I know we have a lot to talk about. But what about the the volcano excites you as a kid. I'm just going to say it's a little lackluster. I don't know. I'm out there. I mean, I'd much rather go see that the crazy animatronic thing over at Samstown than than sit outside and wait for the volcano to puff out what is allegedly the scent of pina colada and <laughs> pseudo lava. And then just it ends after a big rumble. It just it seems to me to be kind of like a wah wah. I mean, for a kid who the animatronics at Samstown and the animatronics at, is it Caesar's Palace, the moving statues? Oh, those, those were horrible. Those <laughs> freaked me out a little bit. Aww. So the volcano was a nice 
chill experience got cool. to see a lot of flashing colors fire lava ooh ah and so it was fun and it's nostalgic so mm. hopefully i don't see it hopefully it stays i've heard that it will not stay but mgm resorts says otherwise so we'll see i don't know it's more chuck e cheese than bellagio fountain to me but whatevs i think las vegans once we realized we might lose the volcano got suddenly very nostalgic about the volcano right when was the last time you who are complaining about the removal of the volcano went outside and waited for whatever on the half hour for the volcano to quote unquote erupt right Hmm. that's my question i mean i i also will miss the volcano but i also don't know that i was ever so enraptured by it however i have a question for you had the volcano stayed and gone the sexy route of the TI pirate ships. Oh, sexy volcano. Now you're talking, Sonia. What would a sexy volcano at the Mirage look like? Uh, I mean, it would have had to have dancers come out of it, right? I think so. So much spewing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking sexy dinosaurs to go with the whole volcano theme. In bikinis. Let's just go for it. In bikinis. There you go, Hard Rock International. There's there's our take on how to revamp the volcano Free show. ideas. Thank you. You're welcome. Keep the volcano, make it sexy. Mm. David, do you remember the Mirage opening in 1989? I I don't specifically, but I do vicariously because my mom was so excited and she actually had a clipping from the opening day in the newspaper because she swore that her little redheaded bouffant hairdo was one of the many, might I add, bouffanted red hairdos <laughs> that were seen in the photo. And David Schwartz has a really nice, uh, he is the the noted gaming historian of our community. And he, he wrote a really nice piece a few years ago just about the impact that it had and how it sort of took the elements of all the sort of innovations that were occurring at the time and put them all into one package into some just ridiculously opulent uh, property, which was financed in an interesting way too by junk bond king Michael Milken, who that same year that the Mirage Open got indicted for securities fraud. So, you know, Vegas, you never let me down. Yeah. To that note, I mean, properties before kind of appealed to sort of like the lower end, bottom shelf or like top shelf, high end poker rooms. Some of them focused on like hotel rooms, but the Mirage was really trying to do it all and did it all. Yeah. 750,000 guests showed up for opening weekend. Wow. Wow. That surprises me. That was like the entire population of Clark County at the time, maybe? (laughs) Everyone came out. (laughs) Yeah. As David Schwartz noted, every other hotel that came after the Mirage on the Strip, which is now most of the Strip, has Mm. some connection or hat tip or experience learned from the Mirage. I mean, the Mirage really ushered in what we consider the modern era or the mega resort era of Las Vegas. So, you know, a good run. Uh, A good run for Steve Wynn, a good run for MGM Mirage, and we'll see what the Hard Rock does with it. We shall see. Well, let's go on to our next item of news. On Monday, we heard that Steve Sisolak, our lame duck governor, appointed a new judge to the Nevada Supreme Court. Tell us about Patricia Lee, Layla. Yes, so Patricia Lee will be the first African-American and Asian woman to be appointed to the highest court of the state. Uh, Lee's coming from working 20 years at Hutchison and Stephens Law Firm. Uh, Mark Hutchison is, oddly enough, John Ralston pointed this out on Twitter. He headed Lombardo's campaign and is on his transition team. 
So that's wow. a little interesting that Patricia Lee's coming from his law firm. Interesting. So, David, uh, what are critics saying about her appointment? Oh, critics. You mean trolls. <laughs> it, you know, it's... So there, there are a couple of... Uh, how about critics of the more troll variety and of the more rational variety? Well, I don't know that there's anyone rational because Patty Lee is an excellent lawyer. Some people are saying, oh, but she doesn't have any judicial experience. Well, you know, that's not a, a requirement to be on the Nevada Supreme Court. In fact, one of the other justices, uh, Chris Pickering, also went from practice to the high court. She was elected to that position. So she didn't have any judicial experience. Patty Lee is replacing... Justice Abby Silver. Uh, interestingly enough, Abby Silver is the only person in Nevada history who has ever held every single judicial position. So she was a muni court judge, a justice of the peace, a district court judge, a court of appeals judge, and a Supreme Court justice. And so when she stepped down, that left an opening. And the way it works is there's a judicial selection committee. They pick the three most qualified candidates from their perspective, and then the governor picks one. I think that there's going to be weird criticism from all over the place, but this is not out of line with what Sislak has kind of been doing when it comes to the bench. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, look, he put a liberal on the bench. Well, Patty Lee is is mostly known, in addition to being an excellent lawyer, for her pro bono work. And she has an interesting background, sort of a hard scrabble life story to get to where she is. I've worked with her over at Legal Aid of Southern Nevada on, on one of the advisory councils. So she's very devoted to the cause of indigent people and, and their need for for access to legal justice. So that's a good thing. Whether she's liberal or conservative, who knows? I mean, she comes from a firm that is considered to be really super conservative. So you think that the libs would maybe, you know, find that to be weird. The, the fact that, guys, Sislak is appointing a partner from his nemesis's, <laughs> you know, law firm supporter, you know, I mean, Mark Hutchison is, is not, not part of the GOP like main party. So can I ask, is Sisolak reaching across the aisle here? What's he doing? For what? what? He's done. Yeah. He uh, he is a lame duck. Uh, emphasis on the first word there. You know, look, he, he has appointed a bunch of people who are prosecutors to the district court bench, not liberal, not progressive. And no one knew why he was doing that. Maybe to position himself to go for that second term of governor. How'd that work out for you, Steve Sislak? So that was weird. The thing is, though, that there were only six people to pick from. So the Judicial Committee went from six to three, and then he picked one of the three. And only two of the six were were judges. So there was a good chance that whoever was going to be picked was mm. not going to be a judge. And one of the judges who made it to the final three was also African-American women. So, you know, there's a lot going on there uh, in Sislak's mind, I guess. He doesn't really have to explain himself. He never does. He always comes out with basically the same press release. This is a highest caliber person, which may or may not be true in other cases. But with Patty Lee, universally, people who work with her think that she's a really good lawyer. And, and so we'll see what she does. So the Review Journal article about Patricia Lee pointed out that the other two recommendations were Reno area District Judge Scott Freeman and District Judge Tierra Jones. Right. Um, you're saying Patricia Lee is a great lawyer, has a lot of great experience. She's done over 100 pro bono cases. So what makes her more qualified or what made her stand out among these other two judges that have actual judicial experience. I once wrote in an op-ed from Nevada Independent that any jerk with a law degree can be a judge, and I know because I was a judge for a short period of time. And I'm <laughs> not to say that any of them are jerks because I still do appear in front of them now and again. You're all really beautiful people and you're really smart. <laughs> but there's no test to be a Supreme Court judge. 
you know, oftentimes, especially at the Supreme Court, they have really, really smart staff attorneys there who are helping them get to wherever they need to go. It's not like the United States Supreme Court, where there's all these like academics who are constantly picking apart the various justices and putting them into liberal camp or conservative or ultra conservative. So what you wind up with are just a bunch of people who have practiced law and who hopefully surround themselves with smart clerks and who are also like devoted to reading the cases and making a thoughtful decision based on precedent. It, there's no test. It, you're just, you either get elected or appointed. It, it's a tough question. And it really does kind of go to who are our judges and what makes a good judge and why. And those are elusive concepts. I mean, it's almost something you can only decide after the fact. It's hard to predict. Yeah. For myself as a voter also, like trying to figure out what a judge's record looks like if they don't have judicial experience, especially, is pretty tricky. Um, I did really love um, in the Nevada Independence Voter Guide for judges, one of the questions was, have you ever been to a jail before? And that was a very telling question for me. Yeah. I, I kind of proposed that question. I, I served on that, and I still do serve on that what? little committee of lawyers and insiders who, you know, help sort through some of the judicial races for the Nevada Independent. It's something I'm very proud of. What? Yeah, yeah, I was nice. there at the very beginning. David, yeah. that's like the one question that really stood out to me. Nice. Well, you know, it's a thing. But again, what makes a good judge? What makes a good Supreme Court judge specifically? Oh, I mean, it's magic. No one knows. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how, how this appointment pans out and what kind of judge Patty Lee turns out to be. We'll be keeping an eye on her. And one last thing with Patricia Lee's appointment and the recent election of Linda Bell, we're keeping our Supreme Court a female majority. So we first got the female majority bench in 2019 when it was four women to three men. And now it's five to two. So maybe someday we could have an all-female Supreme Court. I would not say no to that. All right. So given that tomorrow is our big fall holiday, Thanksgiving, we got to talk about it. How did you guys celebrate Thanksgiving growing up? And I'm curious to know if it's different now. Yeah, growing up, I feel like there was still my my kind of age group was the last age group that still like played Indians and pilgrims and had those days at school where we all dressed up. And I feel like now it's that's very much fallen by the wayside. No one really does that anymore, especially when I think about my indigenous friends who don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And it's kind of more of a day of remembrance for what happened and honoring their tribes and honoring their people. I think I think the mindset has definitely changed. You know, we still have dinner um, as a family and get together, but I think the context around Thanksgiving is definitely way different from when we were growing up. Yeah, same. I remember as a kid also dressing up in those in those little outfits and the cutting out the paper feathers and so mm-hmm. forth from construction paper. And I have totally changed my thinking around Thanksgiving as well. To me, I mean, so many of the cultures I come from have these like fall harvest festivals or gatherings where you kind of bring in the produce and eat a bunch of delicious food together. So now I kind of see Thanksgiving as a feast in that tradition. But I think that that I guess more recent acquisition of like rewriting American history as like, look how good the white settlers were to the Indians and how good the Indians were to the white settlers, that that kind of rosy historic retelling, which I think 
was a, a more recent addition to American traditions is not part of the tradition that we celebrate anymore. What about you, David? Did you also grow up cutting out the paper feathers and doing the pilgrims at school? I have a vague memory of that. And maybe it's just a product of age, but I've blocked out most of my early Thanksgiving experiences. And I think growing up poor, it wasn't that big a deal. I do remember the ribs in the cranberry in the shape ribs? of the can. Because <laughs> oh, my mom was just oh, columping yeah. out. Yeah. And uh-huh. I vaguely remember turkey slices, but not a turkey. There was no there was no carving happening in the Figler household as a kid. I just didn't have a connection with Thanksgiving. It wasn't like some big day in our in our household. How are you doing Thanksgiving this year, David? Oh, it's complete opposite. I mean, I'm I'm dressing up like a turkey and I'm gonna be walking in the street <laughs> with the traffic control guys. I'm I just do it in solidarity. Okay. I did see the turkey guy this morning. Um my neighborhood specifically has like the annual turkey pedestrian safety walk. Do you know what that is? Oh, no. Right. So because there are a lot of fatalities on Charleston near Maryland, and I live in that downtown zone, there is a crosswalk across Charleston that every year on Thanksgiving, somebody, presumably in law enforcement, dresses up in a giant turkey suit. And like, you can't miss it kind of turkey suit, if you know what I'm saying. And walks across in the crosswalk and they see if cars slow down or stop. And then there's like, I don't know, 400 police officers, good use of resource to pull over everybody and ticket them for, you know, Turkicide, attempted Turkicide. Attempted Turkicide. I mean, we have family. Um, You know, I'm I'm with somebody who has a bigger family tradition. And so there are our family members flying in from out of town. There are family members from in town. But yeah, you know, your your comments are not not received as well in, in our family unit. You know, it's not about celebrating um, mass genocide. It's not. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy, America. Yeah. Layla, are you doing, are you doing anything special for Thanksgiving this weekend? I am watching my sisters cook. I notoriously nice. never enter the kitchen <laughs> and just sit there and wait for the food to be done. Shout out to my sisters. I love my sisters. Thank you so much for not making me cook. So I'm excited for that. Nice. What about you, Sonia? Well, this year I'm going to be one of the apparently 55 million people traveling for Thanksgiving. We're headed to Austin to see some family and, and do Thanksgiving out there. Also, will not be cooking. I'll just be going to like feast and relax, which sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to that. They like their barbecue down there, so maybe get some barbecue turkey. Well, we're going to do the traditional turkey on Thursday, but then we are getting barbecue on Friday. I made sure Ooh, of that. Nice. On the note of traveling for Thanksgiving, I know there's a lot of people visiting family. There are some parties going on in Las Vegas, people going downtown after Thanksgiving and just celebrating the holiday weekend. So to incentivize people not drinking and driving, Lyft is giving discounted rides over the holiday weekend. The discount code is Thanksgiving 2022, and they are partnering with the Nevada Coalition for Zero Fatalities. Mm. Nice. Well, nice, unless they're like surge pricing and then putting a discount on top of that, (laughs) cynical. But maybe, I don't know. I guess it's nice. Probably, but just be cautious of drinking and driving. All right. So only a semi-commercial for Lyft here. That's right. If anything, it is just a a reminder to avoid drinking and driving, please. Yeah. Oh, that part I, I fully and uncynically endorse. Good. 
Well, Layla, David, however you're celebrating, I wish you both a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. I'm thankful for you. I'm so thankful to work with you. Also with Scott and Vogue as well, who are not here, but I'm just as thankful for. So happy Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Yes, I'm thankful for them. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, Sonia. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. That is all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is me, Sonia Cho Swanson, and our producer is Leila Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Vigler and Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go tell a friend. Seriously, send them this episode right now. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Couple, couple. Chaos mode activated. I'm activated. ready to transition from chaos to rage for no reason. Just for funsies.